0: For his glory, it's all for his glory, amen? We will remember the works of his hands. Well, what a great song. I'm looking forward to singing that more uh, this year, amen? That's a good one. That's a good one. Fifty years old. This year, we will celebrate Mount Pleasant Baptist Church being 50 years old. Mount Pleasant Mission began with weekly prayer meetings in the home of Norman and Rachel Walker on October the 15th, 1964. and on July the 11th, 1965, the first services were held in the house on the opposite corner of Conduit. And October 16th, 1966, I was but a wee pup. Groundbreaking ceremonies for a permanent building were held. Soon after construction began, a pulpit committee was formed which eventually felt led of God to recommend a man by the name of Reverend Julian Yule to be called as pastor. And he became pastor on July the 1st, 1967, and the new building was occupied on July the 23rd, 1967. They had 149 in Sunday school and 165 in worship. But it was the next year, on July the 14th, 1968, that Mount Pleasant was constituted as a church proper. With the authorization of Emmanuel Baptist Church as the sponsoring church. And where Reverend Ewell was the pastor and he continued to be the pastor for 32 and a half years. Since that time until this, there have been several building programs. And this building in which we sit today was dedicated 20 years ago on July the 12th, 1998. 50 years old. Think about how many people have come to know Christ Through the ministries of Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, thousands of people, thousands of people who've come to know Christ through what God has done through this church. Think about the people who have answered the call to ministry, who've answered the call to be on the mission field, and how appropriate that we have the fosters here with us today as well from Japan, who are some of our very own as well, and we're grateful for them on the mission field. We praise God for all that we have done and have seen and have seen God do throughout the 50-year the history of Mount Pleasant. And here's the thing. It has all been for the glory of God. All for His glory. 50 years is a long time. You ask somebody who's been married for 50 years, right? And they will tell you that there has been a lot of work in those 50 years. They'll tell you that it has been a lot of love. A lot of care, a lot of forgiveness, a lot of give and take in those 50 years. And indeed, it is the same in the church for 50 years. You see, the church is not just this building or this ground in which we sit But rather, this church is made up of God's people. And in order for the work to have been done for His glory, then the people had to have been dedicated to the Lord for His glory. Serving and living, worshiping, obeying, working, telling, praying, going, being, learning, loving, sharing, caring, giving, and doing all for His glory. Now, what about you today? What about us? Fifty years. You see, it's such a time as this, that we are where we are today. The baton has continued to have been passed along through those 50 years, and now it's in our hands to be faithful to the gospel, to be faithful to what God has called us to do. So the question for each of us individually as a part of Mount Pleasant Baptist Church is, is all that you are and all that you do as a believer done all for His Glory. And so we're going to look at a passage of scripture that Paul writes to the church at Corinth in the book of 2 Corinthians here in chapter 3, the latter part of 3, in a few minutes. And here we will be reminded of all that he did, Paul did, and all that we are to do should always be about the Lord and not us. That is always for his glory. And so, in honor and reverence to the word of God, if you'd please stand as I read. Second Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 16, we'll go through chapter 4, verse 15. And the Bible tells us this. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we've renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. And, Lord, may you be, be reminding us throughout this passage of Scripture that it's never about us, but it's always about you and always for your glory. So, Father, may you speak to us today, if there are those here that don't know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. If there are those of us here today who need to be refreshed, there are those of us here today who need to have a new beginning as we start out into this new year, this first Sunday of 2018. Lord, may you challenge us and call us and move us and make us to be what you want us to be before we leave out of this place today. And Lord, we pray that the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, as you look at the bulletin, the bulletin looks a little different today, you may have noticed, because of the snow sort of made things happen a little differently. So you see in the bulletin, actually, is the outline for today. And we're looking at four different things as we look at this passage of Scripture. And the first thing that we see for His glory is who we are for His glory, who we are, our transformation. Now, Paul, as as we're picking up at the end of chapter 3, so let me just kind of help you a little bit here. Paul had just finished talking to the Corinthians about the veil that was on Moses' face after he descended from the mountain where he met with God back in Exodus chapter 34. His face, as you remember in that passage of Scripture, Moses' face shone from the glory, but he placed a veil over his face because the glory would fade. Now, Paul says... Comparing that, what we have now to what Moses was doing then, he says, we have an even greater glory as believers. That the spirit of the living God does not shine on us as much as he shines in us and shines through us. So whereas Moses reflected the glory of God, we who are believers who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we radiate the glory of God. Everybody with me this morning? Yeah. Amen? So Paul is saying here, we are no longer seeking to find the glory of God and keeping the commandments, but rather we now have the glory of God living in us. So let's listen to what Paul says again in verses 16 through 18. He says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all... As believers, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So because what Paul is saying is because of what Jesus has done in our lives, we now see the glory of God in us and through us. And so some would say, Well, what just what has Jesus done? What has he done in our lives? Well, beloved, he has saved us by his grace. Amen? That's what he has done. You see, friends, when Jesus gets a hold to your life, you are no longer the same. Amen? We're no longer the same. And because of the gospel, according to the word of God, we have been changed by Jesus. And what we find here is that not only, listen, not only have we been changed, but as believers in Jesus Christ, we are still changing, or at least we should be. Y'all with me? Beloved, I hope that you're not the same person that you were when you first came to know Jesus Christ. Because we are changing as believers. The transformation is constantly being taking place in our lives. You see, even this transformation that is taking place in us is not about us. It's all about Him. The Spirit of God, what the Bible is telling us here, is that the Spirit of God who is within us is making us more and more and more and more like Jesus Christ. You see, when you come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, it's not just so that you He is making you to be a better person. It's not that He's making you to be a kinder person or a more patient person. No, what He's doing in your life is He's is making you more like Jesus Christ. And as he makes you more like Jesus Christ, then you become a better person. You become a kinder person. You become a more patient person. But we're not there yet. We are still being transformed. But this Christ-likeness, being in his image, it talks about here. The Spirit of God is making us more and more like him. And so this Christ-likeness is the goal of our trans- of the transformation process in each of us as believers. We are being shaped by the Spirit. He says, From glory to glory. In the ESV, it talks about from one degree of glory to glory. We're constantly being changed. We're constantly being shaped. And it's done through this transformation process. The word transformation is the word where we get our word metamorphosis. You can think about how uh, the larva, the caterpillar, turns into a butterfly. That metamorphosis. It's not something that takes place from the outside in, but it's what happens on the inside out. That's what he is doing in our lives. He is changing us. We're becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And why he's doing that? It's not for your glory. It's for his glory. Amen? For him to receive the glory. So, so who we are, this transformation. Moses' glory diminished, but our lives reflect an ever-increasing inc- ever glory. As we think about this being moved from glory to glory, we know that some folks are... Not as far along as other folks, but it's not about how old we are, but it's how old we are in the faith. Some people who may be in their 80s may have just come to know Christ just last year, and they may not be as far along in their faith as somebody who accepted Christ when they're 15, who are now 30. You see, friends, we're all part of who God has called us to be, and and He is working in each of us individually, and we're not all the same. Praise God for that. Amen? Amen. So we're all being changed by and transformed by Him. And the more we focus on Him and the more we focus on it all being about Him and His glory, then we find the more we will be like Him as the Holy Spirit is working within us. Who we are is for His glory and the transformation that's taking place and is taking place in our lives. And then secondly, we see this. Not only who we are is for His glory and the transformation, but what we do is for His glory, which is our task. So what do we do? Well, what is Paul saying that their responsibility is? What is the task that's being mentioned here that is for the glory of God? Well, you look at verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Paul is saying, because we have been transformed and the Spirit is at work in us, then we have this ministry. Well, what, what pa- Pastor, what is this ministry? Well, it's the task that we have. This ministry is the gospel to be advanced. The task is is that we are to shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, as we have received mercy, as God has been gracious to us, as he's been merciful to us, we've been changed by Jesus Christ. And so since he has changed us by his mercy and and allowed us to live and allowed us to be the people that we are uh, as he is working in our hearts and lives, then we have this ministry. We have a task before us. And since we have this ministry, and since we have this task, Paul says, we do not lose heart. What he's saying here is that we have this ministry because of what Jesus has done in our lives. We have this ministry of shining the light of the gospel, and we do not lose heart. Or in other words, we do not give up. We are not going to give up. There's no cowardly surrender, Paul is saying here. This is not going to happen. We're not going to quit. Now, Paul would certainly face opposition as he was in this passage of Scripture, but he is saying, we will not quit. Beloved, praise God that over 50 years, Mount Pleasant has never said, we've had enough. Amen? That they've said, no one in the history has said, okay, we quit now, and so the church dies. No. We continue to press forward. We will not quit. Amen? We will not quit. We will continue to preach the gospel. So this, the, ta- the task that is before us is this ministry. And Paul would face opposition. He would continue at the task, but he would be true to the ministry. As we're reminded here, he says that therefore since we have this ministry, that we is all-encompassing of all believers. It's not just a select few, but it's all of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior. We all have this ministry. We all have this task. It's what we do. We have the gospel that we are to proclaim. What we do is for his glory in the task that's at hand to shine the light of the gospel. We must also be true to this ministry as the people of God. Just as Paul is saying here, we also must not give up. We should not have a cowardly surrender. Never quit. Listen, we as the church should never quit preaching or teaching or sharing the gospel with the lost world around us. Because we have this responsibility. And praise the Lord for Mount Pleasant maintaining this responsibility throughout all these years. Amen? Amen. The face of opposition has changed over the years. And it will constantly be changing. The things that are opposed to us today or the ways in which we'll be imposed, the church is being opposed today look a little bit different than what they did in the 1960s. But, beloved, we need to understand that the enemy is still the same. There will still be opposition 50 years from now after the Lord tarries. There will always be this, this, this opposition until Jesus comes. You see, friends, we are to be faithful to the task True to the task, true to the gospel, true to the calling. Paul says that we are to be true to the ministry, but also he says we'll be true to that message. Look in verse 2, he says, But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, committing ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Paul is saying, look, we're being honest, we're being open with you. His life was an open book. He says, we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Those things that's the old life are now gone. In my life, they should be gone. As a believer, those old things are to be gone. Amen? And so if we have this task of proclaiming the gospel and telling people about Jesus, then our lives should look like it. Amen? Our lives should look like it. We've renounced the hidden things. Of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. In other words, that which is to be preached and proclaimed and taught is to, we're to be transparent, we're to be truthful. As we tell people by Jesus, there's to be no deception and no distortion, but, and there is to be no twisting of the scriptures to fit his own preconceived notions. And that's the way it should be for us today as well. We should never try to twist the scriptures to fit what we think it should be. Because in our culture, always there are going to be those who are telling us that this is what we think it ought to be. And so what we try to do, is because we want to be nice, and we want to be kind, and we want to get along to get along, we say, well, let's see if we can take this scripture and kind of twist it a little bit to fit so that it's okay with them to do this. Beloved, truth, to tell the truth is to love somebody genuinely. Amen? And so we must never twist the scriptures to accommodate the culture. We must be true to the message of who Jesus is. And what he has done, and the Bible, what it tells us. And why is that? Why should we be true to the message? Because the task is too great, the message is too profound, and the need is too urgent. We must be truthful with the Word of God and the message of the gospel. Not only us as a church, but each of us individually that makes up the church. Amen? Each of us must handle the Scripture as it is to be handled, faithfully. As we look at it, as we read it, as we med- meditate upon it, and this church is to be faithful. It has been for 50 years to be faithful to the powerful gospel and the inerrant word of God. I've been in Virginia almost my entire life, and as you grew in statue and as Mount Pleasant grew in, in its work and its faithfulness to the gospel, even where I was, I knew of Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. We are to be faithful with what the timing that God has given us with the gospel message and the word of God. Amen? Paul is saying here, and we know also that we've run the race. We don't float along with the cultural tide. We don't compromise with the world's standards. We don't go along to just get along, and that must continue in our lives as well. What we do is for his glory in this task at hand, being true to the ministry of the gospel and the message, but also being true to the motivation. Look at verse 3. Paul says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. What what do we do for His glory that's this task? Well, we are to share the light of Jesus Christ. Here's the motivation, because there are people who are perishing. There are people who still need to know Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that this morning? There are people all around us who who do not know Jesus Christ, and so because they don't know Him, they are perishing. And so we've had the scales taken from our eyes as believers. We've had the veil removed from our eyes, but there are still others who need to hear the gospel because they are perishing. Man is blind and needs the light of the gospel to shine on them. And the Lord is the only one. Listen, the Lord is the only one who is able to give light in the midst of darkness. In verse 6, it tells us, Paul says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. He's going back to the creation story. And knowing that this is the the same God who's the one who's able to, in the midst of nothingness, in the midst of darkness, speak and light happens is the same God who speaks and people who are blind can now see. He's the same God who gives light now to those who are in darkness. He's the same one who brings life to the dead. So it's the right motivation as we know that we are, there, there are people who are perishing. But also, Paul says, it's not about me, but it's all about him. Look at verse 5 and 6. He says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Again, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Paul is saying, hey, look, here's my motivation. I'm not preaching Paul. And, beloved, we should never be preaching Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. And I should never be preaching Joey. But we should always be preaching Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ to the world all around us. That is what our motivations be. It's not about us. It's always about him. Paul is saying this. I'm not preaching Paul. I'm preaching Jesus. And he's doing so as a servant. That no one, did, Because as a servant, he is not desiring accolades. He's not desiring applause. You see, it wasn't about Paul having an Apostle Paul fan club. It wasn't about him so that he could sell one million copies of a best-selling scroll. Amen? It wasn't about that at all. It was about preaching Jesus because only Jesus can save a man's soul. Only Jesus can change a heart. Only Jesus can, can reform and transform a family. Only Jesus can work in the hearts and the lives of people to make them different. It's always about Jesus. And that's the right motivation. It's for His glory. What, what we do, the task, it is a hand to preach the gospel and it's all for His glory. And in the midst of that, we never are to give up. We're never to compromise and always point to Jesus and not ourselves. Now this year... I'm going to be challenging you as I feel like the Lord's led us on this path as we celebrate this 50th anniversary. As we, the, big, the big event will be Labor Day weekend, September 2nd. And so I hope you'll mark your calendars for that. But throughout this year, you're going to be challenged to pray. To pray that as God, as God allows us to continue to be the church he wants us to be, that we pray that God will call out from the midst of our congregation those who would answer the call to ministry. Those who would call, he would call to the mission field to be church planters, to be chaplains, who would be evangelists, to serve the Lord in a vocational manner. To pray that God would call more from our church. We praise God for those who have been called from this church. We're praying for more. Amen? We are praying for more. And that we would all be missionaries because that's what we believe. That we're all on mission for him. We meet people where they are and what? Point them to Jesus, right? That's being on mission, all of us as individuals. That is what we must do. But not only am I going to challenge you as we move throughout this year to pray more, but also to give. Okay, here we go, yes. Of course, we know that we give our tithes, and we praise God for the tithes as people bring in their tithes. We'll talk about that as we move along throughout the year as well. And then there are offerings that come above the tithe. And praise God for what God did through Mount Pleasant with the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord for that. We've exceeded our goal for this year and beyond uh, what we even could imagine. And that's what God does. Praise the Lord for that. Not only we have those kinds of offerings, and the Annie Armstrong offering for North American missions, as well as our Vision Virginia and other things we'll have the, throughout the year, but I want you to be praying specifically about another offering that I want you to pray about and think about, and that's the offering to pay off the debt of this church. We owe $900,000. I don't know what the millions of dollars it costs. We don't owe that much. Praise God. Amen. But we owe 900000 And you say, well, pastor, why are you going to push for us to pay off the debt? Because a debt is a burden. Amen. A debt is a burden. And if we could get rid of the debt, friends, there's so much more we could do with missions that we didn't have to worry about the debt. And I believe that, I know it's a God-sized task, but I know the God who gives us the task, amen? And he's able to provide. So let's pray for that. And if you want to give throughout the year, do that. But on the second, we're going to have a... I really ask people to seriously pray about giving a great offering that day for the debt retirement. Wouldn't it be great if we could walk away and say, praise God from whom all blessings flow, the debt is paid off. Amen? I hope you'll pray that with me. So praying and giving, we're going to talk about that, but also going. Going as he leads, meeting people where they are, pointing to Jesus, not only on mission trips, but it includes mission trips, but going across, not only across the border or across the state lines but going across the yard to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus as well amen? amen so we'll see that all as we move along throughout this year so what we do the task at hand is for his glory all these things now all these things are not for us to receive any glory at all if we pay the debt down it's not or pay it off it's not because of anything that we have done it's all for his glory amen It's all about him. And that's where we want to keep the focus. Who we are and that we have been and are being transformed is for his glory. And what we do with the task at hand is for his glory. And thirdly, how we live for his glory with this treasure. Look at verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. What does that tell us? It tells us that we are earthen vessels. We are each each of us, Paul is comparing us to being clay vessels. Earthen vessels. What, what kind of vessel is that? These are earthen vessels that he's talking about here. You see, they didn't have Tupperware, all right? Which I think is a curse anyway, however. But nevertheless, I hope there's no Tupperware salespeople here. <laughs> if so, I take that all back, all right? I just know what my cabinets look like, all right? But the Bible tells us where these earthen vessels, these cheap breakable, replaceable vessels. But understand something, friends, as Paul is writing this, the Holy Spirit's inspired him to write this, is that the value, listen, the value is not found with the vessel. The value is found with the treasure that is within the vessel. Amen? That's what he says. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. You know, this past this Christmas, I know you'll be proud, I gave my wife... Some freshwater pearls. She's proud, whether you are or not. All right. But my wife is notorious about being able to have a wrapped gift and shake it and know what it is. She has that real knack about herself. So this year, for this cultured this uh, this freshwater pearls, I took a, a cardboard box. It was about yay big or so. And I put a 24-ounce can of tomatoes in that box. (laughs) Laid it across the bottom, put a little bit of her own material that she didn't know I took out of her room. Put a little bit of tissue paper there. And then I put a 16-ounce can of corn in that box. (laughs) Then I wrapped the, the box, it's just a plain box, the, the, the container in which, the, in which the, the pearls came in, I wrapped it in another layer of wrapping paper, put it inside the cardboard box, and then wrapped it all up for her. And of course, she was surprised. Amen. That's good stuff. <laughs> but here's the thing. The box was not what was valuable. It was what was inside the box. Because when she opened it, I knew I did good. All right. There was some value in that, not in the box, and certainly not in those tomatoes or the corn either, by the way, but in what was in the final box. You see, friends, here's the thing. We are just the box. We're the vessel. He's the treasure, and, and really, what he has done in our life is this treasure, the treasure of, of what Jesus has done in and through us. We are each made differently, but here's the thing. We are all just vessels so you may be a cracked pot or you may be a chipped dish but if you belong to listen listen if you belong to jesus and the spirit of god lives within you as he tells us he does when we know Jesus, then he uses you and each of us differently, no matter what your limitations, no matter what your handicap, no matter what your baggage, no matter what your background, that as a believer, your life has been transformed by Jesus Christ and that spirit within us is constantly working in you and in me and using the treasure of the gospel within us. We have that treasure that Jesus has done something in our lives and we are to share it with other people. And notice this, it tells us in verse 7, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So salvation, it reminds us again, is the work of God. It's not of men. The power of the gospel is not found in the vessel, but in the treasure. The power comes from God. As we have this gospel, this treasure within us to be able to share with people, the power to change people's lives comes from him. It doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from your eloquence or your lack of eloquence. It comes from him. In my office, I have a, a, a copy of Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest from July the 17th, the date July the 17th. When I read it the first time, I made a photocopy of it and I put it on beside my desk where I keep it all the time. Let me just tell you what a little bit about it says. Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest, July 17th. He uses this, this verse, 1 Corinthians 2, 4. This is my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. And then Oswald Chambers says this. Paul was a scholar and he was an orator of the highest degree. He was not speaking here of a deep sense of humility, but was saying that when he preached the gospel, he would veil the power of God if he impressed people with the excellency of his speech. He says belief in Jesus is a miracle produced only by the effectiveness of redemption, not by impressive speech nor by wooing and persuading, but only by the sheer unaided power of God. The creative power of redemption comes through the preaching of the gospel, but never because of the personality of the preacher. He goes on and says that the preacher is there to present the gospel of God. If it is only because of my preaching that people desire to be better, they will never get close to Jesus Christ. It is always and will forever be about Jesus. It is about his power and it is for his glory. And beloved, when he talks about the preacher, he's not, not talking about the one that stands up here on Sunday morning. He's talking about all of us because all of us are preachers of the gospel. And so if you think, well, I would love to, but I don't know that I can. Just know, beloved, know that it's not about you. It's by the power of God. And he uses you. Amen? You can fumble and, and swallow hard and do all kinds of things wrong when you're sharing the gospel. But it's not about what you have done. It's about what God's doing. I'm always amazed when I get done on preaching how I will stand at the door and somebody will say, Pastor, you know, what you said about here, and I'm thinking, did I say that? I don't remember that I said that, but hey, praise God, that's what you heard, amen? God is able to take our eloquence or lack thereof and work miracles in the hearts and lives of people. We must be faithful, amen? That's what we do. That's the task, that's how we're to live this life with the treasure within us. By the power of God. And then Paul goes on, and I know we're running out of time, but just, just bear with me. Paul says in verses 8 through 11, where he says, Look, there's going to be times when it's difficult. It's going to be time to be difficult. Verses 8 through 11, he says, We're hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. But even in this, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So he's saying the life we live is one where Jesus is to be magnified. No matter what we're facing in this life, It's always going to be about Him. So whether you're going through great times or whether you're going through tough times, that Jesus is to be magnified in and through your life. Paul is saying, whether we're hard-pressed, whether we're perplexed, whatever we're going through, He is still going to be magnified in my life. I may face death, and Paul has even said, He even has the scars. But even that, we do so that He may be glorified in us. It answers the question, why do I do what I do? It's for His glory. Amen. It's always for his glory. There have been trials in your life, beloved, I'm sure, and even in the life of this church. But ultimately, we continue to press on, living the life of a faithful follower of Jesus Christ with the treasure of the gospel, allowing him to use us, each of us, cracked pots and all, amen? To use each of us for his glory so that others will be pointed to Jesus. And so far we have seen who we are and that we have been and are being transformed for his glory. That what we do with the task at hand is for his glory. And how we live with the treasure of the gospel in us. Living for his glory but also one more thing. And that's fourthly where we are looking for his glory. Our triumph. Verses 13-15. Paul says and since we have the same spirit of faith according to what's written. I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. See, Paul had been here talking about trials. Now this is how we endure suffering. This is how we endure suffering, Paul says. Paul quotes from Psalm 116, where the psalmist there referred to the anguish of the grave, But then the psalmist affirms his confidence that God would deliver him from death. And Paul is pointing back to that and pulling that into this letter. And he is saying, just as the psalmist believes, I believe. And he declares, I believe based upon what he knows in verse 14. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus. So Paul was confident that God would deliver him no matter what he faced. Either he would deliver him from death on this side or he would deliver him from death on that side. Amen? And that's the bottom line. That we're, it's all for his glory. We have this triumph in Jesus Christ because of the resurrection. This is where we're looking for his glory. We're looking to the ultimate triumph, being raised with Jesus, being with him in glory, but also being with each other and all other fellow believers in his presence. And beloved, there's always room for more. Amen? We want more people to be there. So we seek to spread the gospel so others will hear and be saved with thanksgiving and all be done for the glory of God. So here's the bottom line. Who we are and that, we're transform- and that he has transformed us and is constantly transforming us for his glory. We're not to stay the same. We're constantly being moving and, and being shaped by the Spirit of God who's working in us. We should be more today like Jesus than what we were yesterday. We're constantly being shaped by the Spirit of God. What we do in the task that is at hand with the ministry of the gospel is for his glory. It's all about Jesus. How we live with the treasure of the gospel within us is for his glory. It's all about Jesus. Y'all getting this? Getting this? Where we're looking in ultimate triumph as we, resurrected, we are resurrected with Jesus is for his glory. And we will see that it has and is and will forever be all about Jesus. In our lives, it's always about Jesus. In this church and in every church that believes in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it's always about Jesus. You see, beloved, it's not about me. It's about the Master. It's not about this vessel, it's about the true vine. It's not about you, it's about Yahweh. It's not about us. It's about the big universe creator and sustainer. It's not about a routine. It's about the redeemer. It's not about our tradition. It's about the one whom we trust. It's not about your spot. It's about the one who cleanses every spot and stain. Amen? It's not about what makes you or me happy. It's about our hope. It's not about having my way. It's about hearing The way. It's not about the deacons. It's about the deliverer. It's not about a teacher. It's about the teacher. It's not about the clothes. It's about the commander. It's not about the music. It's about the Messiah. Come on now. It's not about the band. It's about the bright and morning star. It's not about the choir. Beloved, it's about the Christ. It's not about the carpet. It's about the carpenter from Nazareth. It's not about the lights. It's about the Lord. It's not about social media. It's about the Son of Man. It's not about numbers. It's about the name above all names. It's not about the bounty. It's about the bread of life. And it's not about the preacher or your pew or our pleasures, but it's always and forever will be about the Prince of Peace who pardons our sin, who promises paradise, and who fulfills his purposes. It's always about Jesus. it's not about my glory it's for his glory it's not about you it's all about him it's not about us it's all about Jesus now what are we supposed to do with this well you see the to do is MPBC don't you love that the M is make sure you belong to Jesus amen make sure you belong to Jesus You know, we're not promised 50 years from now. None of us in this room knows what tomorrow is going to bring or the next breath is going to bring. Aren't you thankful as we sing about we will remember that God gave us a memory where we can think in the past and we can only think in the present, but we cannot think in the future? I'm so grateful for that. I don't want to know what's in the future, right? The only thing I need to know in the future is what the Bible tells me is going to happen in the future, right? But you don't know, and I don't know what tomorrow may bring for us, but we need to make sure that we belong to Jesus. So if you don't know this Jesus, know that it's a simple step of faith. Acknowledge that we're all sinners in need of a Savior, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Turning from that sin and turning to Jesus Christ in humble repentance, saying, Lord, I need you. I'm sorry for my sin embracing all in that same step, embracing, believing with all of our heart that this Jesus, whom we're asking to forgive us, is the one who is God's Son, who died on the cross, who rose again bodily from the grave, and professing Him as the Lord and Savior of our lives. It's a step of faith. If you've never taken that step of faith, you can be sure that you belong to Jesus if you take that step today, knowing Him as the Lord and Savior, turning to Him. The letter P is, beloved, point people to Jesus. Jesus. That is our task. That is our ministry, but more than that, it is our privilege. Because we have been born again, and we're constantly being more like Christ, and we have a hope that the world needs to hear desperately. Point people to Jesus. The letter B is, bear the marks of living for Jesus. Paul says, look, we're hard-pressed, we're perplexed, we've been persecuted, but the world ain't got nothing on us. Because I know where I'm going. Amen. So as we live this life out. Realizing that it's not about you. It's not about me. But it's all about Jesus. We will bear the marks of living for Jesus. That means sacrifice. That means surrender. That means giving him our all. Bear the marks of living for Jesus. And then C. Is cling to the hope. That we have in Jesus. Because beloved let me tell you something. The resurrection of Christ makes all the difference in the world. Because this is not all there is for us. Amen? One day we're going to see Jesus face to face. And that is the ultimate triumph. Where he will raise us up with Jesus. And we will see him face to face. And you know what? Before you put your Bibles away. You know what? It's all for his glory. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. We pray that you'd have your way in our hearts and lives. Lord, we want to be faithful to you. Lord, we want to, if there are those here who don't know you as Savior, that this will be that time where they, they know that you paid it all on the cross of Calvary, and they can say yes to Jesus by coming to you in complete faith. Father, we pray also for those of us that we know that who are saved, that we know the task that is before us to continually lead out and to be faithful with the ministry of preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel. Lord, living that out, knowing the gospel is within us, and Lord, to know that you are our hope. So Lord, we pray that you would help us to recommit ourselves to you. If there are those here today who need to come, Lord, to surrender to you, to say, I feel God calling me. I feel God working in my life. I just need you to pray with me. Lord, know that I pray that they would come and pray silently or be with Pastor Joe or myself or Pastor Andy. Uh, Lord, that we would just pray with others today. But Lord, we thank you that you're working in our hearts, that you're calling us to yourself, that you're the one who's transforming us and making us to be more and more like Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that we would say yes to you, and whatever you're dealing with us about, and just surrender to you and lay our lives down and say, Lord, have your way in me because you have paid it all. And I am your child, and you're my Savior. It's never about me, but I want it to always be about you. So, Lord, as we come to this invitation, may you draw us to that place in walking with you that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing, Jesus paid it all. You come as God's dealt with your heart, and we'll be glad to pray with you. Come pray soundly as we sing together.